6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Monday, November 8th, 2021. I'm Kelly Reese and it's time for the KVMR Evening News. Tonight on the California Report. State Democratic lawmakers once wanted to ban state contracts with border wall companies. However, most have remained silent over Governor Newsom's contract with one such company for pandemic relief response. Then in national native news, bills recently introduced in Congress aim to complete a long-awaited drinking water project for the White Mountain Apache tribe in eastern Arizona. We'll take a brief look at regional headlines and weather before science correspondent Al Stoller fills us in on Earth's changing seasons. This is the California Report. I'm Laura Clivens in San Francisco. We begin in San Diego County, where the San Ysidro Port of Entry reopens today to non-essential travel for the first time in nearly 20 months. Border crossings had been restricted to workers whose jobs were deemed essential during the COVID-19 pandemic. Moises Castillo is in charge of Customs and Border Control at the Port of Entry. As we lift restrictions, we are expecting an increase in travelers, and we're also expecting an increase in wait times. We ask that travelers be patient with their officers and assist us in speeding up the process. Officials are urging those who plan to cross the border to have their travel and vaccination documents available for inspection. Castillo says officials will check vaccination status periodically at San Ysidro. The vaccination requirement does not apply to those 17 and under. Democratic lawmakers in California once wanted to ban state contracts with border wall companies. But after the Newsom administration hired one of those firms for pandemic response, lawmakers are mostly silent on the issue. Cap Radio's Scott Rod reports. In 2017, Democratic legislators were seething over President Donald Trump's agenda. Two dozen of them supported Senate Bill 30 which would have prohibited the state from hiring contractors that worked on his border wall. That included Senator Bill Dodd. Here he is at a Senate committee hearing. We've got to take a stand, you know, for something. That bill didn't become law, but it passed the Senate. Fast forward to this year. A recent Cap Radio investigation revealed the state is paying SLSCO, the company that built Trump's border wall in California, up to $350 million for COVID-19 response. Cap Radio reached out to over a dozen sitting lawmakers who supported SB 30. Few responded. Only one lawmaker, Senator Scott Weiner of San Francisco, agreed to an interview. We did not ban contracting with these companies when we had the opportunity to do so, and that was a failure by the legislature. Weiner stopped short of criticizing the Newsom administration, but he added, I think it would be uh, good to transition away from this company. Weiner says he does not know if any lawmakers plan to reintroduce similar legislation next session. For the California Report, I'm Scott Rod in Sacramento. Support for the California Report comes from Stanford Medicine. Protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash Adapting Care. Paint Care. Now with 800 drop-off sites in California where households and businesses can recycle their leftover paint. More at PaintCare.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together. On the web at schmidtfutures.com. 
Access to banking is an indicator of a community's health. And as KPBS race and equity reporter Christina Kim finds, in Imperial County, a shortage of bank branches plus rising temperatures can lead to dangerous outcomes. Noon is still hours away on a Tuesday in early August. But the streets of El Centro, California, are so hot, it feels like the soles of your shoes could melt into the asphalt. Suffering in this heat are lines of people, many elderly, outside of Bank of America and Wells Fargo's branches. Beads of sweat form on the faces of customers as they wait patiently to use the ATM or talk to a teller. Juan Sequeria is an agricultural worker from Holtville, California. He waited an hour just to use the Bank of America ATM during his break. He says during the high heat season, the wait for an ATM is unbearable because there's no shade. Maria Lopez is retired and lives here in El Centro. She says she nearly fainted once when waiting at the bank on a hot day. Y me sentía mal, dice una señora, que se siente mal, está bien demacrada. Y, y corrieron para adentro y vinieron y me metieron. She was rushed indoors where it was cooler. But to this day, she can't be out in the heat for long without getting sick. Yo no puedo andar mucho en el calor porque me pongo mala. The local Wells Fargo branches in El Centro and Calexico have devised systems so that people have access to shade and someone is always there directing the flow of people. So how did it come to this? El Centro is an imperial county, situated on the edge of the Anza Borrego Desert State Park. But the region is at risk of becoming another type of desert, a banking desert. There are only 12 brick-and-mortar FDIC-insured banks for Imperial County's over 180,000 predominantly Latino and low-income residents, down from 19 as recently as 2013. I think we have seen a fair amount of branch consolidation um, in the past several years. That's Beth Mills, a spokesperson for the Western Bankers Association. She says consumer habits are driving the change, making branches less important. There's been a lot less people going into branches now with everyone doing mobile banking, not everyone, but a huge majority. But Jaisal Mendoza, the director of the Imperial Valley Small Businesses Development Center, says not everyone is online savvy and the lack of bank branches can be challenging for the small business owners she works with. The culture here is very different. Um, I can honestly say most business owners want to sit down um, and sit in front of a person and know who they're conducting business with. Maria Lopez, who nearly fainted while waiting in line that one time, no sé hacer eso, tells me she doesn't know how to bank online and isn't interested. She wishes there were more banks in the area so people wouldn't have to wait so long. Juan Lopez, a spokesperson for Wells Fargo who grew up in Imperial County, is no stranger to the lines. His own mom likes to go in and talk with the teller. I ask him if he thinks more branches would help alleviate the lines. Probably not the best person to answer that, but I would say, I would say a very strong maybe. He does say, however, that when the branches started to close in Calexico a few years ago, the lines got longer. As those shutter and leave the, the community, the lines just get progressively worse because you know, we're the only bank there in Calexico, especially. State Senator Ben Hueso represents Imperial County. In a statement, he said banking access is, quote, a huge problem in the Valley. He co-authored two recent bills that have paved the way for public banking options, which he hopes will help. For now, though, 
people are still lining up at Imperial's few bank branches, no matter what the thermometer reads. For The California Report, I'm Christina Kim in San Diego. And that's The California Report for Monday, November 8th. We're a production of KQED Public Radio. I'm Laura Clivens. Thanks for listening. Up next, the fight against tobacco has taken a step forward. In today's National Native News, the Air is Life Act has been signed into law on the Navajo Nation to promote a smoke-free tribe. The law does not restrict use for ceremonial or cultural purposes. This is National Native News. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. Flags on Canadian government buildings across the country are flying at full mast for the first time in nearly six months. As Dan Karpinchuk reports, the flags were raised after talks with Indigenous leaders. The flags were first lowered to honor the Native children who died and suffered at residential schools. That came after the remains of hundreds of Indigenous children were found at the sites of two of the former schools, one in British Columbia, the other in Saskatchewan. Raising the flags ahead of Remembrance Day has become a controversial issue. After talks with Native groups, the flags will be hoisted so they can be again lowered on Remembrance Day to honour those Canadians who died in wars. Mark Miller is the Crown Indigenous Relations Minister. What we've heard loud and clear from all involved is that this is a responsibility of the federal government and not to put it on the, um, I guess, on the backs of Indigenous peoples who are already going through a lot these days. Uh, But there were uh, a, a different and varying ranges of perspectives, uh, some ranging from uh, leave the flags down until until everything is found and in the light of day and children returned home to their communities, and others saying that it was time now to lift them. Um, but what we heard resoundingly in that, I mean, no one expected a consensus, was that this was a responsibility of the federal government to take a decision. The National Chief of the Assembly of First Nations, Roseanne Archibald, had wanted the government to raise an orange Every Child Matters flag alongside the Canadian flag until, as she put it, All of our children are recovered, named, and physically or symbolically returned to their homelands. The plan now includes lowering the Canadian flags to half-mast every year on September the 30th, the National Day for Truth and Reconciliation. Ottawa says it's also working to find a suitable place to raise the survivor's flag. For National Native News, I'm Dan Karpinchuk. Bills recently introduced in Congress aim to complete a long-awaited drinking water project for the White Mountain Apache Tribe in Arizona. As Arizona Public Radio's Ryan Heinches reports, the reservation has lacked a dependable water supply for years. The legislation would amend a federal water rights settlement with the White Mountain Apache Tribe that was enacted by Congress in 2010. It would extend the timeline for the large-scale infrastructure project by two years and increase its funding from $11 million to $261 million. Cost overruns and unforeseen technical delays in the planning and design phases have hampered the White Mountain Apache rural water system and minor flat dam. Tribal leaders say it's desperately needed to provide members with a clean and reliable source of drinking water that many communities on the Fort Apache Indian Reservation lack. According to officials, that's led to increases in public health risks, including COVID-19. The tribe had one of Arizona's highest rates of infection during the 2020 summer surge. The White Mountain Apache tribe is made up of about 13,500 people on the reservation located in eastern Arizona's White Mountains. For National Native News, I'm Ryan Heinches in Flagstaff. 
The Air is Life Act is signed into law on the Navajo Nation to promote a smoke-free tribe. President Jonathan Nez signed the bill into law on Saturday. It prohibits commercial tobacco use, such as cigarettes, e-cigarettes, and smokeless tobacco products in enclosed and indoor workplaces and public areas on the reservation. The law does not restrict use in private residences or for ceremonial or cultural purposes. For more than a decade, advocates with the Air is Life Coalition have worked on public education and collaborated on the bill. The infrastructure package sent to President Biden includes resources for tribal communities, funding for federal programs in Native communities to address water and sanitation, transportation, broadband, energy, water settlements, mine and well cleanup, and other investments. I'm Antonia Gonzalez. National Native News is produced by Kiwanak Broadcast Corporation with funding by the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. There are now booster recommendations for all three available COVID-19 vaccines in the United States, and you may choose which booster shot you receive. More info at aaip.org or cdc.gov coronavirus who support this show. Support by Ramona Farms, offering wholesome and delicious foods from our heirloom crops as our contribution to a better diet for the benefit of all people. We are honored to share our centuries-old farming and culinary traditions online at RamonaFarms.com. Native Voice One, the Native American Radio Network. In today's regional news, Nevada County Public Health reports 50 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. Out of 9,204 cases since the start of the pandemic, 132 are active. 15 people are hospitalized, one in ICU. The Sierra Fund has a new executive director at the helm. The board of directors announced Joan Clayberg would step into her role today. Clayberg had previously served as the Sierra Nevada Alliance executive director for over a decade. In their own words, the Sierra Fund describes themselves as a, quote, place-based organization committed to the land and people of California's Sierra Nevada headwaters, end quote. They say they rely on the principles of science, stewardship, environmental justice, and policy advocacy to operationalize their mission to restore ecosystem resiliency and build community capacity. As of November 25th, Dr. Evans, president and CEO of Mercy Hospital of Folsom and Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital, will become president and CEO of Mercy General Hospital. To accommodate this new appointment, he will be resigning as president and CEO of Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital. Dr. Evans began leading Sierra Nevada Memorial Hospital in December 2018. Dr. Gregory Eberhardt, current chief medical officer of Mercy San Juan Medical Center, will serve as interim president and CEO of the hospital. Dr. Eberhardt is a board-certified cardiologist and has experience as an interim chief physician executive for Dignity Health Greater Sacramento Market. This from the Union of Grass Valley. We are aware it's only the second week in November. However, Northern California forests are preparing to sell tree-cutting permits online ahead of the holiday season. If you wish to get your tree from a national forest, you need a Forest Service-issued permit and must follow specific guidelines, which can vary. 
Christmas tree permits for El Dorado National Forest go on sale online tomorrow at 8 a.m. Due to the Caldor Fire, the Mormon Immigrant Trail, Silver Fork Road, and North-South Road will not be available for tree cutting this season, according to the U.S. Department of Agricultural Forest Service. The permits are $10 per tree, with a limit of two for each household. Quote, the 2021 tree quota is expected to sell out quickly and no additional permits will be issued after they sell out, end quote, the USDA said on its website. Holiday tree permits for the Tahoe National Forest go on sale tomorrow as well. You'll have a choice of the American River Ranger District, Sierraville Ranger District, Truckee Ranger District, and Yuba River Ranger District. As with El Dorado National Forest permits, these permits are $10 per tree, with a maximum of two trees. And finally, Lake Tahoe Basin Management Unit permits start on November 17th. Permits to pick from cedars, fir, and pine trees are sold online only, and supplies are limited. This from the Sacramento Bee. And now for regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight, showers with heavy rain at times and a low around 42. Winds could gust as high as 41 miles per hour. We could see up to two inches of rain this evening. Tomorrow, showers, mainly before 4 p.m., with a high near 51. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, snow after 7 p.m., with a low around 32, gusts as high as 30 miles per hour. We could get up to 3 inches of snow. Tomorrow, rain before 1 p.m., with a slight chance of showers returning after 4, and a high near 44. The National Weather Service warns of a winter weather advisory for the Truckee-Tahoe region in effect until 7 a.m. Tuesday. We may experience increased snowfall amounts below 7,000 feet. Expect 8 to 20 inches of snow for those above 7,000 feet and 1 to 3 inches for those below 7,000 feet. Main travel impacts will affect the area surrounding the Tahoe Basin from 8 p.m. tonight through midnight. The passes will see the greatest impact throughout the night and into tomorrow morning. Prepare for slippery road conditions and poor visibility and expect major travel delays. Winds could gust as high as 95 miles per hour on Sierra Crest ridges. Travel restrictions are likely for high-profile vehicles. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, showers, with thunderstorms possible after 11 p.m. and a low around 52. Winds could gust as high as 32 miles per hour. Tomorrow, showers likely before 11 a.m., then mostly cloudy with a high near 60. The seasons are changing. Up ahead, science correspondent Al Stoller explores how our neighbors in space affect our seasons. Summer is over. Winter is coming. The seasons are changing. The globe of the Earth, way back when, sat on teacher's desk at a jaunty slant, the same way Earth slants in space. As we circle the sun, that slant tilts us toward the sun in summer, making the summer sun strong. Then it tilts us away from the sun in winter, making the winter sun wimpy. When a chef makes a pizza, the pie does not start out flat. A pizza begins as a round ball of dough. The chef spins the ball of dough over her head to flatten it out. Planet Earth spins fast, all the way round in one day. Earth is not made of pizza dough, but spun fast enough, 
Even rock will stretch, making earth bulge at the belt line, at the equator. The first quarter moon will hang high in the sky Thursday night. Earth's beltline bulge gives the moon's gravity something to pull on. Pulling on our bulge over thousands of years, the moon changes the tilt of the earth and thus changes our seasons, making summers hotter or cooler, winters colder or warmer. Climate scientists have a name for the seasons we get from Earth's slant, tilt seasons. When you study the atmosphere, air blowing this way and that, it's never simple. So please bear with me as I introduce yet another type of season unrelated to tilt. We've all learned that the distance, Earth to Sun, is 93 million miles. But 93 million is really just an average. Most of the time, we're closer than that, or farther away. On a cold night round the campfire, we move closer to the fire to get warmer. Just so, when Earth gets closer to the sun, Earth warms up. And farther from the sun, Earth cools down. Circling the sun, now a bit closer, now a bit farther away, we get another set of seasons. Distance seasons. For some months now, Earth has been moving closer to the sun, and our distance seasons have been warming. We'll reach our closest point to the sun next January. As our tilt seasons are cooling, our distance seasons are warming. Distance does not affect our temperature nearly as much as tilt, but it does make our winters a tad warmer than they would be otherwise, and our summers a tad cooler. The moon tweaks our tilt seasons by yanking on the bulge at our belt line. The distance seasons are also tweaked, not by the moon, but by another member of the solar system. The first quarter moon will shine high Thursday night as soon as the sun goes down. As the sky grows dark, right next to the moon will be what looks like a bright star. That is planet Jupiter. Jupiter, largest planet in the solar system. Jupiter is so massive, Earth feels Jupiter's gravity pulling us away from the sun and tweaking our distance seasons. Distance seasons, warm or cool, depend on how close we are to the sun. Distance seasons are totally unrelated to tilt seasons, which depend on whether we lean toward or away from the sun. But even though unrelated, distance seasons and tilt seasons work together to change Earth's climate big time. The rocks around Bowman Lake, up State Route 20, rocks all across the Sierra, record times when distant seasons, combining with tilt seasons, threw our planet into an ice age. And then, just 10,000 years ago, pulled us out again. I hope you'll watch for the Moon and Jupiter, together, as soon as the sky grows dark, Thursday night. For KVMR, I'm Al Stoller. That's our newscast for this Monday, November 8th. Here's something you want to listen to again or missed a part of an interview? You can always listen to expanded versions of our stories and interviews on our website at kvmr.org or wherever you get your podcasts. KVMR gets support from Ben Franklin Crafts, locally owned and offering the beauty and color of fall for arts and crafts, home decor, school projects, knitting. Ben Franklin Crafts on Sutton Way, Grass Valley. Online at benfranklin-crafts.com. And SBL Entertainment, presenting the Fab Four, the ultimate tribute. Friday, November 19th, and Mariachi Sol de Mexico, a very Mariachi Christmas.
Saturday, November 27th, both at the Crest Theatre, Sacramento, 8 p.m. sblentertainment.com. Stick around at 6.30, it's the Women's International News Gathering Service, WINGS. In 2020, massive public demonstrations led the government of Bangladesh to raise the maximum penalty for rape. But university students on tonight's program say the problem begins with law enforcement failing to lay charges. They contrast common attitudes towards women and rape in their home country with the more feminist-influenced laws in Canada. Tonight's program includes discussion of marital rape, which is legal in Bangladesh if the victim is older than 13. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. Thanks for listening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off. Thank you.